Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ who died on the cross and lives forevermore to intercede that we might fulfill the Father's pleasure. For we are in this earth to do, to do greater things, greater things that he did, O oh God. We shall do as we follow him and we obey him and we become the full measure and stature, the, the mature expression of real men upon the earth that are faithful to God and have heard the words of the Lord and fellowship with his spirit and walk in his grace to abound towards all that God is calling us to do, that you might order our steps and give us understanding for a real, authentic reality in your purposes. We ask you to bless your word and prosper it in the hearts of your people. And we bless your name for what you're doing through this church and in the churches around the world and those who stand up for you. We pray for Venezuela, Lord, that the body of Christ might rise and shine gloriously, Lord, and bring order to the chaos in that country. Have mercy, Father God, and bring, Father God, your spirit in that place, bringing all things to order. And we rebuke Satan and his destruction over that people and that nation that you have called to serve you, O God. Now prosper your word in the hearts of those that are here, that they might serve you with gladness and faithfulness in all things. And bless and prosper your words in our lives that we might be fruitful in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We were talking about the travesty of those who fake it. And authenticity and reality are the things that God has called us to. Genesis 19 verse 12, the angel came to Lot and says, whomever you have here, whatever your family members are, and that's usually who God has made us responsible for are those people in our family. And namely, he says, your son-in-law, some people would like to say their mother-in-law is not part of the family. All the in-laws are part of the family, son-in-laws included. Your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in this place, take them out of this city. You're responsible for your family. And many times as a young man, I, I remember uh, struggling in my adolescence that every time I was messing up in my Christian life, it was having an effect on my entire family. Because I was there to be an encouragement, to be a testimony, to be an example of what a real Christian was. I'm the third son born into a family. And so sometimes we think we're not the father, we're not the oldest, we're not the youngest. Uh, we don't Listen to me. You're instrumental in being a... Uh, a strategic, real component of the salvation of your home. And it, it, it requires you to be connected to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, to obedience, to blessing. Because if not, that one man we see in the, I think it's in the book of um, Exodus, where this one man decided to lie and to, and to cheat. And, and Achan was a curse to his entire family. And, and so he was destroyed in that manner. So one person needs to be legitimate for the entire family to benefit. And he says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your family will be saved. That's the promise. That one legitimate, real person impacts those in his surrounding. The angels came and told Lot. You're responsible, verse 13, for we are about to destroy this place. 
because of the wicked outcry has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to judge this city. You don't want to be in a place that God is judging and bringing destruction. It's an it's a awful place. It's called Ichabod. There's no glory. There's no glory. And you don't want to be in that place. And the Lord wants to deliver you from that. And he says the Lord has sent us to destroy him. So in the proper character of a concerned individual who has received the message. How many received the message this morning? You are instrumental for the salvation of your family, your loved ones, your friends, and your generation. And, and many times I thank God that for the last 15 years we were, we were obedient to hear the voice of God and make room. Look at all the families in here. And why they're here is obedience of one family. The obedience of one family opens the gates to the nations for the salvation of God. And who is that one family? Say, I am. I am, I am the hope. Of my family understanding what Christianity is and what God is. And knowing and seeing the faithfulness of God. So Lot, verse 14, went out to speak to the members of his family. And Lot went and spoke to his son-in-laws. These men who had married his daughters. And he said to them, get up and out of this place. Arise above what's going on in your life and get out of here. For the Lord is going to destroy this city. There's judgment in this place. And this is the response. They thought he was joking. They thought he wasn't being serious. And so that is my concern. I don't want to be around people who think I'm joking. I don't want to be around people that don't take the seriousness and the weight of my words into their lives. Especially those I love. Because I don't want to be part of their destruction. It's not a high and mighty sentiment that I'm better than them. But I, I walked up to Walter about a year ago. I said, Walter, you know something? I'm not going to be part of your destruction. You're a pastor. You're a prince. You're a man of God. You're called in your generation to make a difference. So this will be the last day I talk with you until you get serious with God. I thank God that 30 days later he called me. He says, I need to get serious with God. Amen. And he's gotten serious with God. And we're seeing God do a marvelous work in his life and family. And preparing him to be a world-changing uh, force and influence in his generation as God called him from a very young age. And so this is, this is a travesty. I was talking to Chris Reyes. I said, Chris, what a travesty that... That having the reality of God and the body of Christ and the kingdom of God and we're oblivious to it. We're not listening to God. We're not walking with God. We're not making an impact in our generation. We're, we're joining the troops uh, of this world's glory that fades so quickly. The glory of this world fades. But the glory of God abides forever. You leave a, a generational blessing like uh, Walter's father, for thousands of generations of those who are able to witness and be a part of his life. And so um, I want you this morning to understand that, that we talked about world-changing reality on Wednesday and Thursday. Those of you that are seeking God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, you're, you're not making excuses. You're not you know, letting schedules interfere. Your priority is God and His purpose. I don't come here on Wednesday night to waste my time. 
So we gather to talk about reality. And reality means that there is substance in your walk and in your existence and who you are and what you mean. And I don't want to be gathered in a circus with clowns. I don't want to be gathered in this church with, with people who are not connected to God. Um, we've grown up in churches that, that were similar to this. And, and all it was was a travesty for the young people to not see real Christianity. And so today I want to talk about something called world-changing proof. You know that um, Bill Cosby quoted, the proof is in the pudding. You know, taste the thing. Make it real. You'll see that it's the best pudding around if, if you, the proof is in, in putting it in your mouth and knowing that it's the real thing. Well, in 1700s, there was a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, and he was an instrument of God. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. The instrument of God for the greatest revival of all time upon the American soil. One man created such a... a impact you do yourself well to go into google and to learn about the life of jonathan edwards these men that were examples of world-changing uh influence in their generation nobody ever has forgotten jonathan edwards and the impact he had in his generation called the great awakening he awoke everyone who was spiritually sleeping in uh, america and so during that time of great revival and the blessings of incredible stories of salvation, a lot of people uh, were saying, is this true or is this something just emotional? Is this real or is this something that people are just saying it's the big thing? And so they asked them, how are you going to know if these guys are real converts to Christianity or they're just going because it's the, you remember the fad, what would Jesus do? Everybody's wearing the little band. What would, nobody's doing what Jesus, they just like the little fad. They like the little fashion. You have people living with their girlfriend. You have people stealing, cheating, lying. They're cursing, they're drinking, and they're going around with a little band saying, what would Jesus do? That's just, that's not real. And so they asked him, Jonathan Edwards, what is your proof? What is the evidence that these people have had a real impact with Jesus Christ? And the churches were filled. And, and, and there was just all kinds of people moving in the direction to the house of God. And he said these words, the supreme Proof of true conversion is what we call holy affections, which is a, a zeal, a desire that's deeply burning within the heart of men for holy things, longing to please God in their personal life. Amen. Woo! What is the proof that, that God is real, that Christ is real, that we're truly saved? And he says, ma'am, this thing, he didn't say man, but he said, this, the ultimate proof of true conversion is something called holy affect. Something within you wants to please God with every breath you have. It's not something imposed. It's something within. 
No one can stop you. I was challenged at the funeral home. No, no, you just say you have a relationship with Jesus, but it's not real, Joaquin. You, that's just something in your head. Something, but it, I said, listen to me. Could you talk to my wife and my kids, please? Can they tell you who my best friend is? Who I am consumed and in love with? His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. He saved me. He cleansed me. He corrected me. He's forgiven me. He's real. Coca-Cola is not the real thing for me. It's Jesus Christ is real. And if you're part of my life, you know it. And so the proof of, of that reality. So I've never been able to understand Acts 5. Verse 5. It says that a certain man came up. Let's go to verse 1. A certain man named Ananias. This is a, you know, put your name there. A certain man named John Davis. A certain man named uh, Brian Alvarez. A certain man named Robert Alvarez. A certain man named Alex Caldron. He came over with his significant wife. And they were both in the house of God and had sold a piece of property. Verse 2. And they kept back part of the proceeds. They had a secret life. They had a life that wasn't the real thing. They were faking it. They were false. They were disingenuine. They weren't real. And they kept part of what they had sold, also being aware of it, his wife. And they brought certain part of it. And they brought it to church and says, look, this is for the house of God. These are for the things of God. And they put some money into the things of, of the work of God. Verse 3. Keeping part better. And Peter said to him, why does Satan fill your heart? Why are you, there's a part of you that, that the devil abides in. That you would lie to the Holy Spirit and keep part of whatever this benefit is for yourselves. Why are you making Christ only part of your life a little bit on Sundays for two hours? Why isn't Christianity pervade your whole existence? In season and out of season. In the morning, in the evening, in the noontime. All the time. Even in our sleep. The Spirit of God is, is zealous for us. Verse 4. While it remained. If, you, if it was your own life, you could own it. If it was yours, take it and do whatever you want. But if it's God, why did you sell it? And why did you have to have a secret? And was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this in your heart? Why have you become complexed? I love uh, people who meditate on the word God gives us on Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Richard Lopez came up to me last night. He says, I've been struggling with that word hypocrite you talked about on Wednesday night. Hypocrite was the stage actor in the Greek theater that would put on a mask and it would have a smile, but inside... The man could have a different expression. So hypocrite comes from two words, hypo and critique, which is which that which cannot be discerned because it's under. Hypo, under, critique is you can't figure it out. This guy loves Jesus. Does he not love Jesus? Is he a Christian? He's not a Christian. Is he real or does his wife make him come to church? What's going on here? And so, that, that's what, and so Richard says, you know, I've been dealing with this word and I've been asking me, what is a hypocrite? How, am I being a hypocrite? And the Lord told him, no. If you fully show everyone who you are at all times, you stop being a hypocrite. 
Show for who you are all the time, everywhere, any place. Show people. And, and so it's undoubtedly those, like it says in, the, in the, um, the fellowship of the unashamed, when Jesus comes back for his own, he will have no confusion about knowing who belongs to him. Because I'm totally sold out for Christ. I totally belong to him. When he died on the cross and he shed his blood, he paid for me not just a down payment. He paid the whole price. I belong to him and to no one else. And then that's glorious for those people that walk in that reality. And so you'll see this whole aspect of these guys that are playing games. You have not lied to men. You're not deceiving anyone. You're... You're walking in your self-deception. That's the worst deception of all. You think that, that things are good. And God wants things to be real and solid. And expose yourself to reality. To be confronted. And that's one of the names of Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth. That word truth in the Greek is reality. This is one of the things what I was super impressed with Christ when I met him. He is the real thing. He doesn't play games. He knows us. He knows our, the depth of our depravity and degenerate spirit. He knows our thoughts. He knows our ways. Nothing is hidden before his sight. And still he says that he died for us while we were yet sinners. To cleanse us. To wash us. To make it a real thing. And so this thing, he says, why have you lied? Why are you faking it? And so when he tells him that, then Ananias, upon hearing these words, he fell. And lost his breath, breathed his last. Verse 5. So great fear come upon all those who heard it. And the young men arose and they wrapped up his body and carried him out. And buried him. See, some of us are concerned with uh, dropping dead in the presence of God. Listen to me. You are already dead when you're disconnected from God. You're not living life. You exist, but you're not fulfilling the call of God in your life, the preparation for the woman who's praying for a godly man, a prince, a real man, that she might feel protected and embraced and provided for, spiritually above all the other things. A real, real uh, existence upon the earth. And so there it is. Now three hours later, verse 7, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her and says, tell me whether you sold the land and for so much. Where are you in this scale of reality and truth? Where are you? And she couldn't tell him. And she says, yeah, with my husband, yeah, that was it. What my husband said, verse 8, and Peter answered her and tell me whether you sold the land and for how much. And she says, yes, this is what we did. And verse 9, he says, how is it that you came into an agreement with your husband to put the Lord to test? Those feet, those feet that carried your husband out are at the door, and they're about to carry you off. So great fear came upon all the church. You know, I was with a, a man a couple years ago, a family that came into my office, and, and they were all over the place. And I said, I refuse to lie to your children. If you are a wicked, degenerate man, I want them to know so they can pray for your salvation. Instead of them thinking that their dad is a Christian, when you're no more than a Christian, then I am a snowman. You're a, you're, you're a fake. You're a false. You are a, a wicked man because you do not seek the things that are from God. 
There's no desire in your heart to please God. And so I refuse to play with your little story that you're a Christian family. I've told other families I refuse to be your pastor because you don't listen to my instruction. Go home. Figure out what you guys want as a family. But if you're going to be at church and you're going to have a pastor, it's because you listen and you walk in the best interest of those things that concern your family. I don't want to be a, a, just up here preaching to a bunch of people that are living their lives like a bunch of, you know, disconnected from the body of Christ. This is, gathering is for the body of Christ. Those people that are connected in the spirit of God, those people that love God, those people that show forth a testimony of honoring God because of a personal encounter you've had. Yes, from time to time we have visitors and guests that come in and we encourage them to make it real, to make it authentic, to see our lives and desire the peace, the joy, the prosperity of knowing Christ, the forgiveness, the eternal salvation. Those things that are real, that we've experienced. And so those that are faking it and are false and are disingenuous and they think we're joking and they think we're pretending, they think there's an underlying agenda, they're going to be destroyed with the city just like Lot's son-in-laws. They didn't move. They stayed in the city and got destroyed with the city. The only ones that got saved was Lot and his two daughters. The wife had looked back. Her affections were set in another place. So she got judged. And she became a, col a column of, so uh, of salt. Um, so in these matters, as we're discussing them, uh, God wants us to know reality. Ver 1 John 5.13 says, These things are written for you who believe in the Son of God so that you know you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This is, a, this is not a one-time scenario. This is a lifetime. People call me on the phone all the time and they say, Hey, how long does this take? How long is this going to happen? I say, listen, for the rest of your life. To walk with God is every day, every breath, for the rest of your life. This is not a 12-step, I've done it, I'm out of here scenario. This is God wants you to walk with him all the days of your life. And so I want to touch upon quickly these matters. Um, because we're talking about world-changing fruit. I mean, world-changing proof. Sorry. What is, what is true evidence of a real experience in God? What, what, what separates the liar from, from, the, from the guy who's really living his life in authentic relationship with God. And so there it is. We begin our journey. The first evidence and proof of a real Christian is that he has a personal relationship with God. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful. And through Him... You were called into a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to me. From the day I received Christ into my heart, from that day, this was January 1st, 1984. From the day I said, okay, God, come into my heart, to this very day, every single second, every single moment, every single situation in my life, Jesus Christ has been right beside me to this moment. 30 years later, 
When I went to get married, I wanted Jesus to be my best man. Since nobody could be able to see him, I asked my brother-in-law, he'd be my best man. But that's how real it is to me. And, and he became my best friend, and I told all my other friends. I remember my, one of my good friends, Carlos, says, hey, do me a favor. You've been a Christian now for a year. Can you stop talking to me about Jesus? I said, we were in my car, we were driving. And he says, look, I just can't take it no more. Because ever since you let Jesus in your life, that's all you talk about. I said, listen, I'm going to make you one promise as my best friend, one of my good friends. I will never stop talking to you about Jesus Christ. I will never. This, listen to me. It's impossible. Why? Because authenticity of a relationship with Christ, God is faithful. And he's called us to this connection with his son. And so this is the connection, Galatians 2.20. Since I met Christ, I'm crucified with him. That's it. His cross has become my cross. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. He's my reality. He's a all the time reality but Christ lives in me and that life which is now the one that remains which I now live in this flesh I live continually faithful to the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me I, I belong to him he purchased me what, what can I say when you pay for something don't, don't you own it well he's paid for me so he owns me in the full reality of that relationship. 1 John 5, 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who is born also loves him who has begotten him. You can't have this experience and it not overwhelm your life in a huge magnitude. Huge. It, it, it is seen all over you, wherever you go. I've had in the past some men who have said, well, I like, to, I like to be undercover. So I like to get close to people and not tell them I'm a Christian. And then all of a sudden they get to see me. Listen to me. I cannot fake it. You're going to know from the first word out of my mouth to the last day of my breath that I love and Jesus Christ is real, and he's all over my life, and you can't deny it. You know, some people don't like me to put stickers on my car, but I, I can't help it. I can't help that I need to tell people I've found the living Christ. He's authentic. He's real. The Samaritan woman, the moment she received Christ, she went into her town, and the entire town found up. She didn't have any website, email, text. She didn't have anything, but the entire city came out to meet Christ. Why? Because it was real. It was real. And she had five husbands, and the sixth one wasn't her, and she had a messed up life. But the instant Christ came in... Everybody came to see her Lord. You can't fake it. It, it has to be seen. Some people say, Pastor, you just don't know. It's deep within. It's so deep, nobody has found out yet. Second, the next step in my life was this aspect of sin. 
In fact, even before I asked Christ in my life, I came up to the altar. I said, listen, there's one thing. It's a problem between you and I. And you don't like sin, and I love sin. It offends you, and I'm, I'm pursuing it vehemently, fervently. So there's the issue of sin before we connect with God. Because in his presence, there is no sin. He's not going to trade on that. Some people say, well, God understands me. No, he doesn't. You either repent and walk away from your sin, or you are ensnared by your sin, and you're destined to hell. And his promise is to come into your life and give you victory over sin. And, and demolish sin. I didn't understand that when I came to the Lord, but I, I challenged him. I said, look, there's only one problem between you and I. I love to sin. You don't like me to sin. I'm, I'm pursuing it. You, it offends you. If you deal with sin in my life, I'll serve you. Because sin had overcome me at a very young age, and, and so I had no power over it. So here it is, the declaration that we heard. It says like this, um, 1 John chapter f- uh, 1, verse 5. This is the message that we heard from him, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. This is, this is the powerful reality. And so I, I had to deal with sin in my life and tell God to take it away, but this is verse 6. If we say that we're connected to him, but we walk in our darkness, we lie, and we're not living truth. There's no way that you can continue to parade yourself towards sin and say that you have, you have met the guy who's come to break with that darkness. And so it's important that you address sin in your life. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we are connected with one another. And the, the times we make mistakes and sin or whatever the issue may be, the blood of Christ washes us from all these sins. Verse 8 if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Last night we were talking to a gentleman. He says, I don't need God. I said, you're lying. You need God. See, the difference between me and you is when God came to me and said, Joaquin, you need God. I said, yes, I do need you. And you are saying you don't need him. So that's, you're, you're walking in deception. You're not going to get salvation walking in lies. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. But if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This, this scenario is clean cut. You need to deal with sin. Not justify it, not explain it, not rationalize it. I had this one woman come in here a couple weeks ago. Uh, I asked her, why is your last name different from this guy? And she says, because I've been his lover for six years and he doesn't want to leave his wife. I said, you know something? You're a wicked woman. She goes, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. And somebody who is rationalizing their sin or justifying it or, or even gloating in it is not fit for an authentic relationship with Christ. And that's the problem. If, if you're not real, God is not real with you. You're not, he's not going to deal with a lie. You need to deal with sin. And what do you do with sin? Repent. Ask him to wash you with your blood. Pursue righteousness. Walk in light. Then you'll have fellowship with him. Number uh, one is a personal relationship with Christ. Number two is dealing with the sin issue. Number three, do you obey the word of God? 1 John 2, 3. By this we know we come to know him. By what? Since we obey his word. 
Don't call yourself a Christian. Listen, and you don't listen to what's written in the Bible. The very first thing that happened to me when I asked Christ into my heart is I read Deuteronomy 28. And he says, if you keep my word, all these blessings will come upon you. I said, Lord, there's an issue here. I've never read the Bible. But it became authentic and genuine because I began to read and read and read and read. And the authenticity of my salvation and experience with the Lord has to do with the Bible. And the very first word that I read, I said, I have never read it. So how could I keep what I don't read? And he says, well, start reading, buddy. So I, I read it said, honor your mother and father. I said, okay, that's a good start because I, I couldn't stand my parents. I was rebellious all out. And he says, if you want my blessing, if you want to live a long life, uh, Ephesians 6.1 says, uh, young people, honor your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is the first thing that I read. Oh, children, obey your parents because in the Lord's sight, this is right. And if I want to have a relationship with the Lord, I need to obey my parents because he's not into rebellious sons. You could say Amen. He's not into having family with disobedient sons. That spirit of disobedience is not the spirit of God. So I began to read the word and read the word and read the word. I found one that do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I had to deal with my friends. The authenticity of my walk with Christ in his word to keep it meant that I was real. And that reality has transformed my life. We know that we have come to truth. 1 John 2, 3, by this we know, we know him. 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 We keep his commandments. We walk in his word. If you want to know whether you're a real Christian, ask yourself whether you obey the scriptures. That's how Jesus described it to his disciples. In Matthew 28, verse 20, he says, go to all the world... And make disciples, calling them to obedience, to obey the things I command you. That they obey all the things that are written in here. To those that feel that the word of God is a hindrance, I feel sorry for you, my friend. I feel sorry for the fact that you think that the word of God has no bearing in your relationship with God. The people says, I don't read the Bible, but I have a relationship with Christ. No, you don't. 1 John 2, 4 says, he who says, I know him and does not keep in line with his commandments is a liar. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. There's no truth in him. Last night we were talking to this gentleman. He says, I know God like you know God. I said, listen, you're not going to like this too much, but I got to do this. And I just met the man for the first day and I said, listen, I didn't know if he was going to punch me or not. I said, listen, you are a liar. You're not connected to God. Your life has no semblance of keeping his words. Don't come and tell me you know God and you don't keep his word. You don't read his word. You, my friend, are a liar. Verse 5. But whoever keeps, tell your neighbor, keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfecting him. And by this we know that we are in him. Now, I just, I just started this, and I'm not, I'm not going to continue because we still have a long way to go. Let's stand this morning and ask God to have mercy on us. Because, see, we're moving into authenticity. We're moving into reality. We're moving into, and this is great. You know why? Because Jesus is about to show up. Jesus is about to show up, and he's going to tell some people, depart from me. I never knew you.
Why? Because they didn't take him serious. They didn't know him. They didn't walk with him. They didn't love him. They, didn't, they weren't baptized. They, they didn't fellowship in the house of God. They didn't love God's people. They didn't love God's ways. Don't stand before God and fake it on that day. It's going to be the most miserable day of your life. And the very fact that God is reaching out to you and speaking in your terms is proof that he wants you with him. So that there's no mixed up message. So that there's no, well, I didn't understand because they didn't explain it to me. My friend, God's mercy has been here this morning. God's goodness has been here this morning in a fabulous way. And I, that's why David says, I thank God. for the. I'd rather be in the house of God one day than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be in the courts of God singing his praises, rooted and grounded, flourishing in the purpose of life, than being distant, far, confused, and in chaos. Father, I thank you this morning for your mercy in our lives. I thank you for this salvation that costs you everything, oh God. It's highly valuable and precious to you, the souls of all men. I just pray, Lord, that this salvation not be just an intellectual exercise or a religious duty, but that it would consume our entire being. That you would have access to it being the head over your body, the church. That every member be connected by grace in the ligaments, in the sinews, in the tissue, in the muscles of, of who you are in this world. And that we being grounded and rooted in truth might come to have an incredible intimate relationship with you. I give you thanks for those precious, sensitive souls that are moved by your spirit, that are moved by your admonition, by your word, that walk in your grace so that it abounds towards them evermore. It'd be a blessing, oh God, their reality, their truth, their genuine day-to-day -day walk is proven there's proof substantive and that this is the work of your spirit this is the work of your grace not for a second can we say that we're doing this but you're doing this in us through us and we pray that you would be glorified in Jesus name if this morning you feel the need